It's a new day and opportunity is in the air. This is Philip with Soul Insights and you are tuned in to Good Morning Market, where everyday businesses are empowered to lead their market with the latest in market news, insights, and strategy. Hello everybody, welcome to another edition of Good Morning Market. I hope that 2023 has treated you kindly. I hope that you've been able to grow your business. I hope that you've been able to do it the smart way. And I hope that this program has been somewhat helpful to that endeavor. But if you're a first-timer, that's what we seek to do here. We're all learning from each other. Um, Would love to connect with you if you're joining the podcast. Subscribing definitely helps. Um, Leaving a review after you've listened to an episode and and seeing what you think. Sharing and, and, and recommendations are the thing that I am ultimately working for is is, is getting good feedback from y'all and uh, getting the honor of a, uh, a a recommendation. And I want to connect with y'all in, in a more sticky way where we can get some face-to-face learning is uh, connecting on LinkedIn is probably the best way for me. On LinkedIn, on this podcast, Good Morning Market, I'm obviously doing it for a reason, although it's somewhat cathartic and enjoyable for me to get in front of a microphone and, and talk to y'all and try to provide some value. I'm obviously doing it for a reason. I'm here to build uh, something. I'm building a brand. I'm I'm looking to build an audience. Um, I might be looking to to build a community of sorts, but I'm I'm trying to build something here. I want Philip Scroggin and and Solo Insights and Good Morning Market to become uh, names that are recognized for providing good value and insights around strategic marketing and I'm looking to attract and engage and build affinity with a certain kind of person um, that is uh, also uh, contributing to my overall goals and mission as a as a professional as a business owner you know I'm doing all this for a reason when I'm doing what's called audience building and, and, and doing a podcast and putting in hours of work every week to to put this um, stuff out and it's all working towards something there's a method to the madness there's a means to the end. And part of how I got into starting this podcast was listening to um, the voice of the guest that we're going to have on today, which is really cool that Good Morning Market gets to this place where we get to have on some of the inspirations for even starting the podcast. Um, I talked to you about, you know, a long time ago about Victoria Baylor, uh, one of my friends, uh, being kind of the kick in the pants to getting it uh, started. But one of the biggest influences on understanding how a good podcast work. Uh, why audience building is important, um, why we do this, and just good marketing advice in general was a guy named Dan Sanchez. So um, he is still out there, and I still listen to him, and he's doing really, really big things with his own company where he's a consultant and does a lot of um, uh, direct work supplementing uh, growing organizations, building their audience, growing their brand. So this guy has been in the game for a while. He's been very, very successful. He's got a very big, prominent, influential brand uh, with his company, uh, through his newsletter, his writings, LinkedIn, podcast. This guy definitely knows, um, especially in the B2B space, when it comes to building a brand and being influential and building an audience, which is why I'm very proud and honored to get him in front of y'all for uh, the Good Morning Market audience, uh, where we can we can ask him some of our questions about the principle of uh, audience building and, and how you go about that. First, before we get into this really fun conversation with Dan, let's go over what happened in the economy over the past week. So two really important uh, pieces of economic news for y'all uh, on, on the market roundup. 
The first one comes from CNBC, has an interesting chart I wanted to share with y'all. Here's where the jobs are for September 23. In one chart says the headline and the points from that article are the strongest sector for job growth in September was leisure and hospitality. According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, government hiring picked up in September with a net gain of 73,000 jobs, and the job market has continued to defy expectations of a significant slowdown. As I'm looking at the graph that they put here in the article um, from at the time of this recording today, uh, leisure and hospitality up 96K, government was up second, then the next one, uh, one month net changes and increased jobs was healthcare and social assistance with uh, almost 66,000 jobs. Then we go down to professional business. Um, retails is also getting warmed up. Retail trade, 19.7 thousand. Uh, it looks like the only industry on this chart that actually lost jobs September in the one month change was information jobs went down 5K. So one other piece of news for y'all comes from the National Federation of Independent Businesses. Their job report, unfilled job openings increase in September is the headline. The labor shortage continues to hinder Main Street as 43% of all small business owners reported job openings they could not fill in the current period, up three points from August. Small business owners have spent the first three quarters of 2023 working to recruit and retain qualified employees for their business, but it still remains a top challenge, said Bill Dunkelberg, NFIB chief economist. Owners continue to raise compensation to attract the right employees. The percent of small business owners reporting labor quality as their top business operating problem remains elevated at 23%. Labor costs reported as the single most important problem for business owners increased 1.9%, four points below the highest rating of 13% back in December of 2021. Folks, that's your market roundup for this week. For those of y'all who have followed me uh, for however long I've been doing the Good Morning Market podcast, y'all know that from time to time, there's this one character that has popped up in conversation. His name's Dan Sanchez. So part of how I even got to doing podcasts was this gentleman who's joining me today on Good Morning Market uh, was listening to B2B Growth and then listening to the Attention Podcast when he spun off his own show and uh, that's what this guy Dan Sanchez does. He's an audience growth consultant for years and years. Uh, this gentleman in a variety of roles now working for himself has helped us helpless, overwhelmed, head-spinning marketers figure out everything from account-based marketing to demand generation to chat GPT and namely audience building. That is his MO. Um, he has his own company where he consults. He also provides courses, self-service courses around audience growth for a, a multitude of brands, B2B, B2C, and, and a multitude of company uh, types. I follow him on LinkedIn. I take some of his courses. Um, I, I definitely highly recommend him. But without further ado, welcome Dan Sanchez to Good Morning Market. How you doing? Doing well, dude. Thank you for, you pumped me up so much. I'm like, oh, I'm not nearly as good as your intro. But I'll do my best to help your audience uh, get up to date with what's going on with audience growth and, of course, marketing and the whole shebang. So hopefully I can live up that intro. Well, uh, it, it's, a, it's an entire world, uh, no no doubt. And I, I know that the, the thing I love about you is that you're eternally the student because you know that you can never truly master this thing because people are always changing. The technology is always changing. So True. you take the student approach. And another thing that I really appreciate um, about you is that you can distill it. Well, 
what better way to distill a lot of these marketing practices and tactics and principles than making it understandable to a five-year-old or a child? So that's my little segue into the fact that this guy here, ladies and gentlemen, has written two kids' book, uh, kids books, including the one titled I Want to Be a Marketer When I Grow Up. So this is kind of my uh, fun tee-off uh, question. I have some kids. I have not necessarily told them, you know, hey, do you want to be a marketer when you grow up? But could or should a marketer be talked about with our kids about career possibilities the same way we talk about army men or doctors or basketball players or teachers? It should because it makes up a huge percentage of the workforce. <laughs> I mean, think about like most people are going to land in business somewhere. And it's, it's sad. A lot of people go to business school and major in business and they're like, well, what do I do? If they don't know what they do, like the most common default is sales, right? Like, yeah. what do I do in business? If you didn't go into business school thinking like, well, I'm going to go HR, I'm going to yep. go IT, I'm going to go into marketing, I'm going to go into accounting. Like they end up in just like a general no man's land. And honestly, yeah. I find a lot of those people uh, in business or even a, a pretty broad range end up in marketing mm -hmm. because it can accommodate so many different skill sets. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people end up in marketing because it also just pays the bills. Marketing is a very profitable uh, mm -hmm. profession. And if you're good at it, it mm -hmm. pays freaking more. It's not quite like sales where like the more you produce, the more your, your salary goes up. But if you produce results as a marketer over and over again, your salary can go, you know, from like 50 to 60 up to 200 K plus, you know, a year, which is pretty substantial, <laughs> like, mm -hmm. uh, which is just nice to be able to control a little bit of your, your destiny. And of course you could, it accommodates for so many different personalities, mm -hmm. skills, um, ambitions that you might have. It plays well if you want to jump from there to an entrepreneur, because a big part of entrepreneurship is marketing. So yeah. honestly, I find it to be a, I'm like, one of my like side missions in my life is to make marketing a dignified profession because it kind of gets mm. looked down upon as like, yeah. oh, marketers are always the, they're the spin doctors. They're the, they're the kind of liars. They, they fluff everything up and then I buy things and it's not nearly as good, but good, yeah. true marketers, marketers that are worth their salt are honestly mm -hmm. finding good products to back and then just express those in a way that actually match to pe what people are looking for. So mm -hmm. yeah, I think more kids need to know about it because there's a lot of them. There's a lot of good marketing needed for all mm -hmm. kinds of good and noble endeavors and good products out there. And it, it doesn't get represented nearly enough. And, you know, two things that resonated with me. First one was a very kind of pragmatic argument for it is you're right. Like, uh, Kids become teenagers, become college students. You go to any kind of college graduation, a big part of the folks going up on stage will be from the College of Business. But like, oh, that's where I kind of get the more pragmatic degree. And if you are some kid who just gets your general BBA and you don't know what you really want to do and you just wind up in sales, you're going to have some really frustrating first steps to your career. You don't you don't just kind of aimlessly be in sales. You got to be on a mission uh, to be in sales and, and be well suited to that. But at the same time, um, like you said, like marketing is cool. Let's just say it like it is. And like we we are all interested in it because we're all we all grow up saturated by media and commercials and funny stuff and insightful stuff and social media like marketers are what are, are all the folks who are making that happen. So like they're it actually is cool. It's not like you go leave the quote unquote cool jobs and then settle to be a marketer. Like you said, if you develop a skill set and you have a passion for it, it is a cool, uh, deep ocean. That is a lot of fun to swim in. Yeah. I mean, just as an example, writing this book, I want to be a marketer. And I grow up was a marketing initiative. 
I was working for Sweetfish, we're targeting marketers. What better way than to help them explain what they do to their mm. kids mm -hmm. by writing a book that makes them look like a superhero, right? <laughs> so exactly. we literally did this to just give as gifts to our, our prospective buyers, our customers. Mm -hmm. um, it costs like, I don't know, Amazon print on demand, I think it costs like six or seven bucks. That's a cheap gift, but a really meaningful gift to give to our, or at the time, our, our ideal buyers mm -hmm. um, and maybe endear them a little bit more to us. But ultimately, we're Sweetfish was very much in the relationship building game. It's not like I put a pitch or an ad at the back of the book being like, hey, ask your dad about working with Sweetfish. Mm -hmm. That would have been <laughs> going too far. But to create a book that helps them look good in front of their children, uh, I know like I, it worked and I knew... It, 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 on looking at it, it's kind of like, where, what other career do you get to make kids books? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's like a project, right? In marketing? Hey, it made sense in this moment. Exactly. The creative thinking. So um, things like that are part of how you have helped grow other people's audiences and now how you've you've built your own personal brand, you've built your own audience. So um, I'm looking at your LinkedIn at the time of this recording, you're, you're right under 25,000 followers. I'm, I'm hoping that um, this conversation in some small part, just go ahead and push you officially over 25,000 followers. You obviously have an email. Uh -huh. Exactly. Let's get it done ASAP. It's, he's like right on the precipice. Um, you have a, a newsletter list, you have a podcast, you obviously have your own company and community. Um, how did you build your audience and, and what impact has it had on your, your career? You know, I got to build my audience. There's a few things that happened. One, I was like James Carberry, the founder and the founder of Sweetfish was extremely generous in, help, in helping me build my platform in multiple ways. Um, I also worked really hard at it. So it's kind of like hard work. And there was also an element of just freaking luck timing when mm -hmm. it happened um, all together. So first, James Carberry had B2B Growth, a pretty, pretty well listened to show. Mm -hmm. And as soon as I started at Sweetfish, he's like, oh, you got to start hosting episodes. So I start hosting episodes and getting plugged in. So I'm already starting to get recognized. Um, he also had a pretty large network. James Carberry is a freaking, he knows everybody. <laughs> he's a relationship He's, he's like a masterclass on relationship building for business. So yeah. everybody knows him and he knows everybody and he has relationships with everybody. So when I start posting on LinkedIn and James starts referring me, like it got my post, it my post hit harder than they probably would have had I, if I had started posting a year ago without James's help. Mm -hmm. He also showed me and taught me what works on LinkedIn. So I had like almost like a personal coach for a while saying, hey, do a little bit more of this, do a little bit more of that for, for a while. And then I started taking off. Mm -hmm. And then I put like for a short time to really kick it from like a thousand to 10,000. Gosh, I was putting like three to four hours into it a day. Dude, that's hey. a lot of time for yeah. six months, right? Yeah. But honestly, talk to like that's generally what it takes for most people to grow. Some people get um, lucky and maybe just hit hit one really, really viral post or something. Yeah. Or yeah. maybe just create a good system for going viral. Some mm -hmm. people do that. They learned how to figure out they figure out how to engineer viral posts. I've never been able to do that. My mm -hmm. posts don't go viral usually. Um, and then the luck factor was mm -hmm. it was 2020. I was just starting. Again, I was plugged into B2B growth. Yep. I was hitting it hard, posting multiple times a day. Yep. 2020, a lot of people got let go. There was mm -hmm. an un, and and we're staying home, spending way more time on digital media. They weren't yep. going outside. There was way more time and attention spent looking at LinkedIn for job new job seekers, people that had time to kill. 
So mm-hmm. I was hitting it hard right at the right moment. All those yep. things kind of like factored into me growing to where I'm at today. You liken it, it. I don't know if this is a poor analogy, but like, would you liken it? So, like, people will hear the amount of like just blood, sweat, and tears work that you put into growing an audience for a period of time to really get yourself to like past those um, glass ceilings is almost like working out. Like, if you've never worked out and all of a sudden, like, you start, oh, now I'm going to start working out. Like, those first six months are not going to be nearly as fun as once you get past the first six months of the first a year. Well, now you're at a whole new mode of physicality but obviously the first six months is where it's the most transformative it's the most grueling but if you can get through that six months of like i think i just got to get in here and i gotta work it it, that's when over time i guess i don't know if it's easier but like you can have things momentum working in your favor is that a bad analogy i'm not sure no, it's a great analogy. And I've, I've even, I have a little LinkedIn course and I talk about that. There's a little part in the course where I'm like doing pushups as I'm mm-hmm. talking about that particular thing, because it's like, you have to build the muscle memory. You have to put in the work at first. It's hard, but you get used to it to the point mm-hmm. where you could be able to do pushups while you're talking on a camera, right? It so just actually, doesn't become as hard anymore. The yeah. first couple of posts freaking hard. Yeah. It's so hard to post 30 times in a row for 30 mm-hmm. days, mm-hmm. but I'm three years in now. And if I need to knock out a week's worth of posts, it's just not that hard. Okay, so I can't take credit for that, guys, because actually, um, now that Dan says that, he refreshes my memory. I've been recently going through Dan's um, LinkedIn course. uh, And so, yes, I do remember the push-ups video. So (laughs) there you go, right there. So uh, you mentioned the the 2020s. Um, We are at the end of the third year into this very weird, interesting uh, decade. (laughs) <laughs> um, how important is it to invite people to to join your audience before um, direct sales efforts? And what I, what I mean by that is like for a long, 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 long time, when you talk about acquiring customers or selling to customers, you go right into stranger. I think you might be a good fit. Maybe you're an ICP and I start to try to draw you in or outbound marketing. Let me get your attention. We don't think about this now. It's almost like a friend zone almost with the whole audience thing. And you definitely don't want to get stuck in the friend zone, but it seems like more and more all the marketing gurus talk about um, an audience and inviting people to an audience is a big part of how they eventually become customers rather than skipping that whole step and just going straight to the more salesy part of the process. You know, I used to be more romantic about it, but I I don't know if you've listened to like Alex Ramosi here has been the book that I've been reading recently. Mm-hmm. Alex okay. Ramosi's hundred million dollar weeds. Okay. He just released this book like a month ago. Um, and honestly, he, he broke it down in a way that talked about the core four, which is like warm outreach, cold outreach, essentially posting to social or owned media. And the last one is running, running paid ads. And he has kind of like a grid. He puts them in. You can do any of them and win. It's one of my favorite parts about marketing is there's not, necessarily a right answer there are certainly wrong answers Mm -hmm. but there's many many ways to win 
um, growing an audience and owned media with owned media, posting to social email newsletters, those kinds of things. It is one way to win. Okay. The other okay. ways can work just as well. They all have their pros and cons. Okay. Um, so, so the, how would you, nice how would you compare to the audience? Yeah. Yeah. The nice part about building an audience is it lifts all the others. Okay. If you post and build an audience, your cold outreach gets easier. Your warm mm. outreach absolutely gets easier and your ads work more effectively because people will recognize you before the posts that you're doing organically. Okay. So it is the tide that will rise all of your lead generation ships, so to speak. That's right. Okay. Yep. So there's advantage, but you can win, you can do cold outreach. Cold outreach is a long game though. Um, mm -hmm. What he recommends in the book is I think if you're just getting started to business, warm outreach is probably going to be your best. You do mm -hmm. warm outreach with posting to social is your best bet that you can possibly hope for. I okay. mean, warm outreach is really just calling your friends and family and acquaintances or people you've worked with before and being like, Hey, how's it going? Mm -hmm. Notice you're doing this. Oh, cool. Well, I'm starting this thing up mm -hmm. um, and I'm offering it at a discount. I'm just getting started with it. Um, are you interested? You know, that's warm outreach. It's just going to people, you know, but if you're also posting on social while doing that and they're seeing you, you know, get some case studies in, like do, mm -hmm. do it successfully. Um, it's, it's going to hit better because they're not going to be like unaware of what you're doing. They're going to be aware of what you're doing more likely. That, and, th and I think that the more I hear you say that, the more that, as I've been learning from guys like you that I've tried to implement and that in my own brand, like where I am right now as a business, I don't do a lot of cold outreach. Like there is a way to that way. I used to do that for other companies. It's like your pure outbound sales kind of stuff right now. I do a lot of, I'm um, long term, a lot of LinkedIn and a lot of podcasts to build my authority, to build my personal brand, to build my company brand. And it also provides me easier ways to build bridges with strangers. But as I yep. start to build up that while also getting more case studies, references, reviews, and other people talking about me as other people start to talk about my brand, then I'm going to do more and more national, like reach out to someone from the other side of the country who I found yep. and they don't, it is more cold. But I've been doing the work for on, on audience building for years, like you said, to make that process easier. And so it's not as ice cold oh, yeah. as, as it would have been had I not been yeah, building yeah. an audience. It's just cool, maybe. Um, so let me ask you one more question um, before we, we get to this part of the conversation is in the past, uh, I've listened to your pursuit to define some of these terms and I, I've always found it interesting and I still frankly couldn't, if I was put on the gun, would not be able to truly differentiate audience versus community or customers. Maybe some helpful terms from for the listeners and myself. Uh, where you are now at the end of 2023, how do you think of an audience versus a community versus customers? Yeah, a lot of people use audience and community interchangeably. Mm -hmm. I pull my definitions from a book called Tribes by Seth Godin, which was written a long time ago. Uh, fantastic little book, but he defines it really simply. An audience is a one-to-many relationship, right? It's like you, you think of like a man or a woman standing on a stage speaking to a crowd. Mm -hmm. That's an audience. It's the mm -hmm. best picture of an audience because it is one, and you can mm -hmm. do that digitally, right? Um, when it becomes a community is when that crowd is talking to themselves. Mm, okay. Right. And you have existing communities. You have Reddit threads. You have uh, Facebook groups that are just communities. There's not even a leader of some of them. Mm -hmm. um, and now what Seth Godin goes on to define is like when you have an audience that is a community, that's a tribe. Okay. You have a group of people that are getting together for a common purpose or a mission or a topic that they're all interested in. And when someone is on stage leading them, 
guiding them and is leading the uh, leading the audience, the community, then you have a tribe. So that's how he defines it. I find you don't have the community aspect unless your your audience members are collaborating or talking to themselves without you. Okay. To some degree, you can facilitate it. You can have a community app, invite your audience into it, and get them talking about it. But you really don't have a community until they're talking. Now, some people will make the argument that, like, well, if they all identify with the same kinds of uh, problems and have the same desired outcome, and mm -hmm. if they got together, if they did get together, they would be like, oh, you're into that too. Oh, me too. And mm -hmm. share like mm -hmm. a camaraderie over it. Yeah. Then that should be defined as a community. I'm like, eh. I could not, see it. Maybe so, not quite. It's more like okay. a lifestyle it's not the and same kind personality. Of collaboration yeah. and community. Like, I don't know, like my local church is a community. Why? Because they get together and they talk and mm -hmm. worship and stuff together. You know, mm -hmm. that's a community. But you could say like Gary V, Gary V will talk about like Vayner Nation as a community. They're just a lot of people that are have affiliation for Gary V, you know? Mm -hmm. So he calls that his community. I'm like, eh, kind of. <laughs> I guess they get together on Discord somewhere, but you know, I've been listening to him for a long time, and I'm not really chatting it up with any of his right. other followers. Right now, now I, I would think that would be very, very different paths when it comes to if you're going to have a marketing strategy, you want to build an audience as part of your strategy, or you want to build a community. Uh, I understand, I think, a little bit more about building an audience versus if I was saying, hey, for Soul Insights, one of my goals is to build a community. Like, that's like, it's not much harder. <laughs> yeah, but to say, like, it's one thing to get yeah. people to listen to me. It's another thing to get people who listen to me to also then get them together and then them start to talk to each other about what I talk to them about or they talk to me about. That's going to be very different when it comes to actually building a program or building up long-term strategy around audience building versus community yep. building. Yep, they're two different things. Obviously, they can work really well together. You can build an audience through building community. You can build a community by building an audience. You can mm. play it both ways. Um, I consider myself to have more of the strategy around audience growth than community building. Like, I haven't actually grown a community to date. I'm like, I, like people will talk to me as, as if I'm the community guy, but I'm like, well, I prefer it to be audience, but I get it. You, you, right. Those terms are synonymous for a lot of people. Okay, very good. So I want to ask you some more questions about um, audience growth and uh, just how we can actually build our audience. Maybe we can get a little to the strategy and tactics. Let's take a quick message today from today's episode sponsor, Soul Insights. This episode is sponsored by Soul Insights. Is your business looking to hit the next level of growth? For many businesses, they know they need to spend more on marketing, but don't want to simply shoot in the dark. They want a smart, data-driven path to solid growth. If this is you, then Soul Insights can help you to identify, attract, and retain ideal customers. Soul Insights is a strategic marketing agency which helps small and mid-sized businesses understand their best customers, who they are, their shopping behavior, and acquire new best customers based on that data. Oh, and it's all measured and tracked to ensure you get more profit bang for your marketing buck. Head to soulinsights.com right now and take the 90-second quiz to find your path to the next level. One thing that um, I'm some of these questions toward the end, Dan, I'm definitely asking you for myself, but um, I think a lot of my my folks, my audience would also resonate with these questions, also have these questions. How should audience growth relate to demand and lead generation? Because I've heard you speak on this as like, you know, you can you can be putting out content and, and content verse and value first and put it in out there and it'll come back to you. But like how should it relate in your experience to actually doing demand generation and then actually getting those conversions in sales pipeline? 
Yep. Depends on how you define demand generation, because a lot of people will define that differently. Okay. If you're on LinkedIn a lot and you're in the Chris Walker bandwagon, then demand generation means something very different to you than if you, you're not on that bandwagon. So if you're defining demand generation as in how it sounds, like you're generating demand where there was none of mm -hmm. what you do or mm -hmm. your way of thinking at least. Mm -hmm. um, it's not exactly lead gen. It's, it's, it's getting people to, to have an affinity towards you is what Chris Walker would call demand gen, right? Mm -hmm. Because it eventually leads to them coming inbound as lead gen. Mm -hmm. And that's what you have to, that's what he would say you need to do with demand gen since he's the king of that, that, that term. Mm -hmm. Lead gen is capturing bottom of the funnel leads. People who have the pain, know they need a solution, are out there looking for it, probably on Google, or are asking their friends and referrals for information about X because they need a new CRM or whatever, that's lead gen when you're trying to generate leads at the bottom. So audience growth has more to do with demand gen than lead gen. Yeah, okay. Because we know that a certain percentage of your buyers are ready to buy you know, within the next month or two. And that the vast majority of people, let's say 90% to keep some round numbers, aren't going to be buying within the next few months or this quarter. Mm -hmm. But they will be someday. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of, another chunk of them are going to be ready to buy the quarter after, the quarter after that, and next year. The problem is we spend all of our time, attention, and resources fighting over the 10% that are ready to buy now. Yeah, yeah. That's where most companies spend their time. Audience mm -hmm. growth is a way to reach and stay in touch with and build affinity with the 90% that aren't in market yet. So mm -hmm. it's a complementary strategy to lead gen because you do need to go after the people that are ready mm -hmm. now and make a compelling value proposition on why they should buy your thing. Absolutely, okay. you have to have that. But if you want to scale, you have to go beyond the 10% and start building affinity with those who aren't ready yet. Right. Building an audience of them and then indoctrinating them in your viewpoints around mm -hmm. their problems is going to be the best way to do that. And by the way, like I work most often with what I call small businesses and some of the mid-sized companies too, is, is that is, we have, we, we, there's a lot of great things about small businesses. I'm a small business, but one of it's, we're kind of reflexively and, and, and we're facing what's right in front of our face. So everything's like short-term sales conversion, short-term sales conversion. We're trying yeah. to just get the next quarter's dollars, the next quarter's dollars. It's hard to have a company think about that longer term vision is like you said, like only 10% are actively in the market. What yeah. are you doing for the 90%? Yep. You know, and, and here's the thing, maybe things are going good right now, but what about two quarters, three quarters, four quarters down the road, you know, three years down the road. Um, one other thing that was interesting to me, and I'm, I'm curious about your opinion is what I think some people would intuitively maybe think when it comes to, okay, I'm going to do all this, like putting it out there, free value or inviting people into the audience and then i'll i need to find some ways to put in some demand generation either for my exact product or brand or my type of product or brand and it's almost like you're making a withdrawal so all the audience growth stuff is deposit 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 free 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 entertain right. you educate you and then up oh, but i need to kind of make some withdrawals to when it comes to demand gen i would think if you're really good at demand generation content it actually could also help grow your audience. It could also help engage your audience and build affinity just because it's demand gen doesn't mean it has to be like a, like an ad or like it's a, I did this for you. Now you have to listen to this for me kind of thing. Right. Cause traditionally demand gen, if you're not in the Chris Walker crowd means lead gen. <laughs> right. All, all my demand gen friends, I'm like looking at their job descriptions. I'm like, 
you're a lead generation person. That's all you're doing. You're running ads, trying to get people to convert on your demo request forms uh, or consultations or whatever you're trying to drive them to now. That's that's all you're doing. Okay. Okay. That makes sense to me. Okay. I, I, I like this conversation because this is when I'm building out my little flywheels and systems and, and helping other clients do the same, like some of that stuff starts to blur together if you really can't think through these things like, like you have. Um, could you touch on these three methods for, for growth and growing audiences? And I know I, people hate to get it all thrown at them and you'll have to do the last one. So I'll give it to you one at a time. There's three uh, for growing audiences. One would be guest appearances. And, and, and take that however you want to. I, of course, my main channel is podcasts. So, of course, it means appearing on other people's podcasts. For other channels and tactics, guest appearances might mean something slightly different. But what do you think about that for growing an audience? Kind of like how you getting plugged into James and Sweetfish was a big part of how you uh, get to grow your own brand. Yep. No, it's great. It's also wicked hard to do if people don't want to invite you on your shows or you're unknown. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um in fact i mean that's what pr is it's guest mm -hmm. appearances is yeah. a subsection of, of of earned media yes um and i find earned media to be ridiculous it's just be it's really hard and mm -hmm. because it's so hard gosh it's so good though because it's always better to be featured by somebody else like somebody yes. like a reporter just doing an article on you and why you're amazing it yes. always is more credible because it's not you saying it it's somebody mm -hmm. else saying it right so earned media is powerful but also getting getting that kind of article that I just mentioned mm -hmm. cost a freaking ton of money. <laughs> Usually you have to right. hire a special PR firm to do it. And you're talking like 10, 20 grand a month. You yeah. just get a few of those a year and you're like, well, mm -hmm. it's good, but is it 10 to 20 grand a month? Good. No. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No. All <laughs> Same my, with all... podcast guesting. You can yeah. hire a podcast guest mm -hmm. service. Pod yeah, Sweetfish thought about getting into that game, but it was hard and we yeah. didn't even want to do it because it was so hard to do profitably. Um, that we were like, eh, we'll, we'll just refer people to speak on podcasts, which is our preferred vendor we send people to. Okay. Um, okay. Is it worth it? Yes. If you can create, it's possible to create a, uh, like a, a, a discipline and a flywheel around it. If you get good at building relationships with other podcasters mm -hmm. and then having a good way to get on their shows, I haven't done it. Mm -hmm. My preferred way to do it is do owned media so well that they come to you. Mm, that's okay. my earned media strategy it's your inbound just versus outbound do, media do cool strategy. stuff yeah do, build yeah. an audience yourself do cool stuff right yeah. thinking kids books you know like right. throw out some cool stuff what what happens when I, every time i do something cool like that mm -hmm. people ask me to be on their podcast Good and point, it works yeah, yeah. If, if your if your phone isn't ringing do things to get more people's uh attention put more stuff out there and then your phone will start to ring more frequently i gotcha yeah. um the second one which i know you talk about a lot because it's it's part of your your pod uh, podcast growth flywheel is part of what you talk about with yep. your your classes and your consulting efforts is paid media paid media is the second one i was curious about for growing audiences yep no paid media has become my primary way of growing an audience because honestly just i mean i'm still even fresh only a few months into starting my own thing <laughs> and i've had enough people say no to audience growth primarily because they're like well dan we can tell you really know your stuff man this is really good but we got it. We got to say, like, this is this is a lot of money for something that takes a long time to see the ROI in, mm -hmm. and uh, it still requires too much time for my team mm -hmm. to post this this kind of quality content over time. Mm -hmm. I don't know if we can do this. Mm -hmm. I've hit that roadblock so many times now that I'm like, you know what? Ultimately, the best way to grow if 
you just don't want to put in the time, which is really where you probably should start. But if mm-hmm. you can't start there, pay for it. Mm-hmm. A lot of businesses have more more money for ads and they do time to create the content. You still have to create good content, mm-hmm. but obviously like you have to hit it with a different level of intensity mm-hmm. in order to grow an audience, but you can still create really good content, keep and to retain an audience and grow it. Um, if you're using paid ads to acquire new audience members. Yeah. And recently I put together like a, I mean, this is becoming my business now is like, how do you use paid media and not only to get an audience for the long term, but also short term uh, qualified leads to feed yeah. the business. So it's pays for itself while you're growing an audience. Okay. Um, and that's, that's becoming my game now. <laughs> and in terms <laughs> how do you of set up the right paid media funnel to do that. Exactly. And, and in terms of like um, the percentages it is, is the is it more fuel to the fire where you have a core foundation built around the organic and the time put in and the creativity and then it's amplified um with the paid or with your company maybe more often it's is it more even between the two um usually i'm coming in to to grow their audience just with paid um they usually have most most businesses have some kind of content marketing going on yeah. Um, and I will usually consult them on how to make that content better, okay. you know, and more appealing. Cause sometimes it's like thinly veiled sales content. You're like, Hey, mm-hmm. like let's, mm-hmm. let's not make it all about your product. Sure. We yeah. can speak some of those in, but let's make stuff. That's like just the stuff that your, your ideal buyers are hungry for. You have some subject matter experts that used to be your ideal buyer. Mm-hmm. Let's get them on a podcast. Let's interview them about what they've learned and what, um, what works and what doesn't work for the problems their your buyers are running into now um, and start generating that content, dressing it up in a way that's fun and attractive. Okay. makes sense um i know for my for my own brand like i'm trying to find responsible ways to explore and test experiment with with paid media to because i know that the thing if you're only going organic especially with someone at my stage of my resources it's gonna be a very long road unless i accidentally you know somehow fall into going viral so i'm gonna have to have a better overtime paid media strategy one thing that the final one i want to ask you about when it comes to growing your audience it has really come on my radar a lot more recently. I've not really looked into influencer marketing a lot in the past. And also I am still closed-minded and ignorant enough where if someone says influencer marketing, I'm still thinking mostly of young female influencers on Instagram influencing under other young females. And like, that's a huge industry by the way. But uh, actually the, the episode that aired before uh, the, the our conversation was on like looking 10,000 foot level on influencer uh, marketing. It's a, 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 I think estimated to be a $1.6 billion industry. It's huge. It's not going anywhere. And I know that there's a lot of different ways in which influencer marketing can really help to grow a brand, grow your audience, however you want to cut it. So what are some of your thoughts or experiences with influencer marketing uh, for an audience? I wish I would have done it more already, but in, in B2B, which is where I've been for like the last three years, it like 
everybody's been talking about it. Hardly anybody's been doing it. This mm. is the first year, 2023, where people are actually starting to do it. Like they're mm. actually starting to put money into it. I know mm. because I've certainly gotten a few people reaching out to me being like, Dan, can can we pay you to like write a post about our podcast? Mm-hmm. Um, talking about our podcast was one post I did. Um, I had another company ask me like, hey, can we sponsor a series that you're going to do on LinkedIn? Ooh, We'd love to okay. just pay for you to create. And that, and that's actually, they're, they're, that particular company is getting smart because they're just reaching out to people who know how to make good content. They're mm-hmm. saying, hey, keep doing you. Mm-hmm. We're going to pay for it. And then we want to host it on our own platform. But please post it to all your other stuff. I'm like, what the heck? This is, you're going to pay me to do my own marketing? Boom. But they're also creating a whole catalog of everybody's great content too. And it's working out well for them. So I'm like, dang, that's working. That's I've seen some companies like go and hire all the influencers pay them out of marketing's pocket, maybe have them continue to work on for the company, but still continue to spend half their time producing the content they were doing. And now, now they wear the company's t-shirt, you know, when they're on camera. Yeah. Um, so that's working. So companies are really starting to get into this game and there's, there's not, there's many, many ways to win here and you can get really creative in how you're doing it. Of course you could just go after direct sponsorship. Hey, influencer, can we pay to like you post about us, our, our product directly? Sure, mm-hmm. you could do that too. There's a lot of ways to win. B2B is now getting in the game. Yeah. Um, so for growing an audience, if you're in if you're in in the market for paid media, there's mm-hmm. probably you could probably set aside some of that money for influencer marketing too. But probably if you're north of like two thousand dollars a month for paid media, I'd probably go to Facebook ads first. Mm-hmm. And if you're going north of that, you could start getting creative with uh influencer collaborations or just paying them outright for for help do you think that this um so it sounds like we're really starting to now get into a a a big uh acceleration of adoption of that kind of tactic and practice do you see influencer marketing to be very rapidly evolving or it's kind of stable in terms of the way people play the game and now just more people are getting on the bandwagon Oh, it's evolving and people don't know what they're doing still. <laughs> like the B2B machine is kind of, I'm sorry, the B2C machine is for yeah. yourself, but in B2B, like literally I got a DM like, Hey, can we pay you? I'm like, sure. Do you have like a, like a Google doc with like what you're looking for? Like a basic one pager. I'm like, mm-hmm. what does this look like? They're like, no, you, why don't you tell us what you would post and we'll see if that's cool. And then we'll just pay you this. I'm okay. like, you, you got to cut me a check. You want me to send you an invoice? Yeah, sure. Send us an invoice. I'm like, okay. <laughs> okay. This is from a pretty large company. So I'm like, all right, we're, we're still trying to figure this out here where there's no standard practices in B2B yet. We're, oh. well, we're marketers, marketers beware. That means that that means it's up to us to come up with some cool ways to, to bring this to the B2B space in a really effective way. So, um, yeah. Let me let me wrap it home with this and land the plane is on your website, which is Dan Chez, by the way, I, I learned this over time listening to Dan. Um, the cool kids know him as Dan Chez. Uh, your signature service is the audience growth school. So it's on my docket. Uh, what was the genesis behind how you developed uh, what is now called audience growth school and and uh, and, and what is what is involved in, you know, do, going down that journey? I mean, I wanted to be able to productize knowledge, essentially. I'm posting about it a lot, and I see people creating courses. I'm like, I'd like to create courses. I've created a few courses already, and I want to continue doing it. Where my wrestle has been is like, do you make it free, or do you charge for it? And I've Mm -hmm. gone, I released it as free. I've kind of pulled back the charging for it. 
-hmm. I generally like the idea of having the courses available all a cart, but then bundling them all and essentially making it like an annual subscription. Yeah. So you pay annually for it and I add more courses to it over time, make it better. So you'd want to stay. Otherwise, you know, you unsubscribe. Um, just because it, I feel like there's more value that way. I can offer it for way less. Um, where I'm at with it right now is I just, it's almost like a downsell to me because I obviously make most of my money on consulting and, and mm -hmm. service, service projects, right? Um, this becomes something that it's kind of like an asset I have where I can be like, hey, it's included in this, get your whole team in here. Um, as well as something I can sell as I grow my own audience. Right, right now so, I'm still playing with it. I still mm -hmm. even consider going back to making it all free for right now. Mm -hmm. I don't, I, I won't be doing that in the short term. Well, that makes sense to me is, you know, you are, you have a lot of unique value to bring to the table. You have an audience, you have a brand. And so it sounds like with Danchez, uh, what folks can do is obviously there's a free relationship they can have with you, which is in front of the, in front of the paywall, as some people call it, where they can right. subscribe to the newsletters. They can follow you on LinkedIn. They can learn from you. They can you know listen to the podcast. And then there's kind of like the self-service behind the paywall. And if you want maximal Danchez, where you can really accelerate your audience growth, you know, the fastest and the most effectively, that's where you actually get into direct one-on-one -on -one consulting. Is that basically how you're constructed presently? Currently, but like I said before, I'm, I'm actually building another, right now I'm like, people hire me as like a consultant or like mm -hmm. a consultant, what I call consulting plus, where I'm taking over a role they don't have in their team, usually maybe oh, okay. paid media or something. And then as a, they can hire me as a fractional audience growth director, just fine. Um, but what I find people want more and more is like a done for you service. That's like really well thought through. They hire mm -hmm. me, all the components are done and I just execute it all for them. And of course, if I do it well enough and get economies of scale um, and build it well enough and can duplicate it over and over, I should be able to offer a value that's way better than what I actually charge for. Just mm -hmm. kind of where I'm going to go in the future. Um, that's kind of in the works right now. But you're right not now, doing things. Consulting you're... clients to right. like build it, build it to a point where I can mm -hmm. launch it, have testimonials, and all that kind of stuff. So right now I'm in like consultant slash freelance mode, but mm -hmm. will eventually launch launch a done for you service company. I like that. And like I said, the value long term will succeed whatever your your fees are because you're building a machine. You're not just doing things that you can't right. that, that that kind of uh, it's not like it's a consumable product that, you know, disposes and then it's no longer there. You know, it's going to pay dividends down the road from the house that you built for them. So that's really cool. So, um, folks, uh, I I think we just tipped this this uh, surface. I could keep Dan here on all, uh, on all day. Uh, but the cool thing is, is you can get lots of this kind of content. Dan puts himself out there and you can pay him. You can take his courses. Dan, there's a lot of different ways I could go, but I'll just hand you the mic uh, and closing our wonderful conversation. How can folks join your audience? My newsletter. Just okay. go to danchez.com. It's right on the homepage where you can subscribe above the fold there. Um, I've recently figured out, I felt like I cracked the code on how to do newsletters. Well, <laughs> it took a year of like fiddling with it and trying, mm -hmm. but recently I'm like, ah, I know how to make a good newsletter now. And the feedback I'm getting from it is really good, but it's still beginning stages. I don't mm -hmm. have a lot of people on the newsletter, but mm -hmm. it grows slowly. So go to danchez.com, join the newsletter. I, it's called Sanchez says, and it's very, uh, eighties, nineties themed memes mm -hmm. and content where I'm reacting to other essentially I'm reacting to other people's audience growth uh, 
tools, tips, testimonies, or like methods. And I'm mm -hmm. saying like, you know, Sanchez says, go for it. Sanchez says, stop doing this, you know? Um, but it's, it's fun. It's done in a really fun and kind of funny way. So check it out. Yeah, I can say I can endorse that from experience, folks. Uh, once again, danchez.com, join the newsletter. Um, it's funny, we didn't get to touch on newsletters. We don't have time with today's segment. But as someone who's tried newsletters in the past and decided to ditch it, um, uh, one of your recent newsletter editions uh, said that like newsletters are coming back. And like, you know, that's really cool. Yeah. And obviously, I think yours is a good example of it. So a really good read, really good uh, way to connect with uh, Danchez moving forward. Thank you so much for joining the podcast. Um, it's been really cool to see how you've grown and how you're sharing with us normal folks as you're growing and, and doing all these cool things so we can learn from you. So I really appreciate your time. God bless. And once again, thank you for joining Good Morning Market. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Anytime. kept Dan on there for for a long long time and part of me wanted to but the guy's a busy man he's got an audience to build uh, I've got an audience to build so I had to let him go but there were some um, good good golden nuggets to come out of that conversation and something that I was directly taking notes but with my audience building if you're looking to building an audience I definitely think that you should heed Dan's recommendations and wisdom there some of the ones that stuck out to me let's talk about what was insightful from that conversation First things first, marketing is cool. Sometimes, you know, um, maybe if you're at a cocktail party or if you're in mingled circles, uh, maybe you're not as excited to uh, say that you're in marketing or maybe it's, it feels convoluted to explain it or, or weird. Listen, marketing is cool. It is a cool profession. Being a business is cool. Being in marketing is even cooler. And it was, it was nice to hear Dan um, say that. Um, and that part of his mission actually is to elevate the status of the entire career field. Talk about lofty goals, but it was cool to hear, and uh, you know, it'll give me an uh, extra motivation. Maybe get the book and read it to the kids, so they actually think Dad's a little bit cooler than uh, they may or may not think he is presently. The other thing that um, I found very helpful was audience building. It's not essential. So once again, you may be listening to this and you may be saying, for my business, for my brand, really doesn't make the most sense, or that's not where I want to devote my energies. Cool. It is definitely not the only way to get uh, only way to, to to grow a business, says Dan, and he's right. But um, if you're going to do it, it's going to be tough, especially at first. It's going to be a grind. There's going to be a lot of sweat equity and spending an inordinate amount of time, it would seem, into getting the audience built, getting the momentum going. But as he says, it fuels all the methods of business and brand development. Cold, a cold outreach, building an audience, and having a bigger audience helps with that. Ditto with warm outreach. Ditto with social media and organic and inbound. Ditto with paid media. Uh, building an audience and making that a part of your growth strategy, that is a rising tide that is going to raise all of those ships. So you don't have to do it, but if you're going to do it, that's the merit of it is that makes everything easier. It opens up all those doors in every single facet of a business growth program. And then this final point that I thought was very insightful, and it, it's a challenge. You need to gut check yourself. Um, 
We're all fighting in the short term over the same 10% of active buyers. In your chosen market, your customer base, there's other competitors who want their dollars too. Only 10% of your market is in the market right now looking to, to, to shop and make a purchase that you can put in your sales pipeline you know, in the next quarter or two. Are you, are you going to throw all of your resources getting into a knife fight with your competitors continually, all the time, 365 days a year, for that small n- n- group of people for those near-term re- results? Or are you going to balance out, obviously we all got short-term goals and we want to get those active buyers, but are you also going to set yourself up for long-term success with the long-term view uh, work of building an audience so when those 90% Something happens and all of a sudden they're in the market. Who do they think of first or who is on the list for consideration or who was made to look good because you've put in all the groundwork way ahead of time? Oh, you are because you built an audience. If you're not going to do audience building, what is your other alternate long-term strategy and and, and effort to work on that 90% for your long-term business success? So really good point and challenge he brought to us. I'm definitely taking it to heart. Part of what I'm doing here with Good Morning Market is part of my response to that, but there's other things that I need to do to make myself more long-term successful with my company goals because that them's the facts the 90 10 rule and then i would just say you know you need to check dan out he's um like he said number one thing he said to point uh, folks towards was his newsletter so you can go to dan Chaz. i've got it linked in the in the show notes so you know follow him get on the newsletter list he does provide valuable insights in his newsletters it is going to be one of the more valuable emails you get instead of the more spammy emails that you get connect with me on linkedin philip scroggin would love to uh learn from y'all and, and be able to see some of y'all's faces and, and get to know what y'all are doing out there and the the marketplace i wish y'all the best in that marketplace and remember in order to lead your market you must first hear and know your market